Proverbs 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now the message puts it like this. A good life gets passed on to the grandchildren. A good life gets passed on to the grandchildren. Deuteronomy 5, it says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in the heavens above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. The idea is this, to, to thousands, to hundreds and thousands of generations. Iniquity visits the third and fourth. Mercy to thousands. And I want to preach a message today entitled, what our theme has been, Home Sweet Home. And I want to say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your goodness I pray that you would speak deeply to our hearts, God. Challenge us today, and we give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Home is supposed to be a sweet place, a sweet spot. Home, sweet home, a place where we want to be, a place where our kids and grandkids want to be. Home should be a place of love and joy, where you can relax and be yourself, kick back. Even in the bad times, home is supposed to be a place of rest and refuge, peace and safety, forgiveness and encouragement. Home should be sweet for young and old alike, all across the generations, children, teenagers, adults. Last Sunday night, Valerie and I had the honor of going to the Nickens family to the house with A.J. and Gwen and sharing a meal together and just hanging out. And you could just tell that those kids enjoyed being with their parents. And those kids are not spring chickens, right? They're not like little children. And they enjoyed, they so much enjoyed being together in the, the home of their dad and mom. And we laughed and cried and prayed. If we wouldn't have run out of time, we would have pulled out guitars and accordions, guaranteed, no doubt. And I feel like that's going to happen in the future. But that environment was no accident. It was created intentionally. It, it was made to happen by a loving mom and dad who passed down the blessing of a home sweet home to their children and to their grandchildren a good life is passed down to the children and grandchildren. When you've done some things right, when you've sown some good seeds into the ground, you will reap a harvest, a good harvest. And the blessing and favor of the Lord flows into the home when you do that. It becomes a sacred place and a safe place and a sweet place, home, sweet home. We all have stories in our families about the old home place. John, I was driving through Niagara on the lake 
in Canada, and I called you or texted you, and, and that's the old home place for the Gettys. And he said, man, you're real close. You're real close. You can probably see it out there in the hills. And, and when I used to go to, to Waldo, Arkansas, when my grandparents lived there, my grandfather was the pastor of the local Pentecostal church, and he was the mayor of Waldo, Arkansas. It was like Andy Griffith, right? And I would go up there and visit Papa, and they had the old home place. And I would hear the stories, and I would play in the yard, and I would go out and, well, I'd work in the garden sometimes, you know, like they really would have us work. we got to weed the garden, grandsons. And they took it easy on us, but it felt like a lot of work, you know, for us city slickers out there in that garden. But the old home place, and we ate ice cream after church on Wednesday nights. Mama and Papa didn't have television. They barely had radio. They had some newspapers. And like at night, it was dark, and the crickets came out. And What do you do? Well, they'd have ice cream on Wednesday night after church. And we'd sit around the table. And me and my cousin Randy, we were trying to figure out what, what to do. You know, no video games. No television. The old home place. The old home place. I remember 407 Riverside Drive where my Papa Johnson would sit in his swing at the end of a day in the backyard and, and drink a Dr. Pepper. And he'd be in his overalls, and he'd take his brogans off and, and, and be barefooted, and he'd sit under, that, under the tree under the, in this swing and drink his Dr. Pepper and, and eat a moon pie. And, and I just remember the old home place over there. Papa, almost until he died, continually added on to his house. He was always in a project. Add on uh, in the attic. We're, he's going to enclose the attic. He, he's going he's to add on to the side. He's going to concrete every stitch of grass that he has except for his garden. And, and Pop, that's just the way the old home place, that's just the way Papa rolled. Last year we took a, a trip to Papa Johnson's old home in Donaldsonville where he used to live. I remember Ma and Paul's house in Blanchard, the old home place. You have those stories too. But I would like to propose that the old home place is not so much about a building as it is a legacy. Not so much about building a building, but about building a legacy, a home. It's a generational thing. Do you know the word generation comes from a word, comes from some words that actually refer to a hoop or a cycle or a circle? Now, if you think that I'm going to hula hoop, you're out of your mind. But it, it refers to a circle. A generation is a circle. Oops. There's a little. Do you know water is in the middle of hula hoops? Just giving you a heads up. I didn't know that either. Water's in the middle of hula hoops. <clears throat> but it, it refers to a cycle or a circle. Let's say this hoop represents home. It's supposed to be home sweet home. And it's a multi-generational hoop. Our reading in Deuteronomy has a negative and then a positive. First of all, it says the iniquity. Everybody say iniquity. What a strange word. The iniquity of one generation is passed down to the kids, to the grandkids, 
to the great-grandkids and to the great-great-grandkids, four generations. Iniquity can get in a home. It can get in the hoop. Now, in the Bible, there is sin, there is trespass, there is transgression, and there is iniquity. Sin means to miss the mark. You've probably heard that before. Trespass, you know, like no trespassing, it means to cross a line. Transgress means to willfully cross a line. And iniquity means to bend or to be bent towards the crossing of a line habitually. Everybody say iniquity. I should have been hands-free today. When one generation sins and crosses lines, willfully violates their consciences, and continues to do so, they create a bent, a bent towards certain sins in future generations. One generation is creating a hoop, a cycle, a lifestyle of weakness. And other generations are born with that weakness, born into that home or that hoop, and they will struggle with those very same weaknesses. These weaknesses have a way of taking away the sweetness from a home. And instead of it being a home sweet home, there's some bitterness that gets in there. These bents are passed down by a combination of things, nature, nurture, and spiritual influences, familiar spirits that watch families and study families, and they know how to exploit the weaknesses in those families. I want to clarify, we are not held responsible for the sins of our father or our fathers. The Bible makes very clear that we are each accountable for our own sins. But we are born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Now, that's the bad news in our reading, but I've got some good news also. Let me go ahead and say this. We don't have to be stuck in the weaknesses of our family, of our hoop, in in, in those cycles. If your family has struggled, listen to me, I've got good news. If your family has struggled with addictions, that cycle can be broken. If your family has struggled with sexual sins, That cycle can be broken. If your family has struggled with anger and rage, that cycle can be broken. And you can start a new hoop of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And instead of the iniquity being visited, then the mercy and the power of the Almighty God can be visited to a thousand generations. Can you give Him some praise right now? That hoop can be broken wide open. You don't have to be stuck. It can be broken and you can create a new hoop for your kids and for your grandbabies. And you can pass a good life on to that next generation. There we go. That'll work. Let me tell you about a couple of family hoops in the Bible. I love this. Her name was Rahab. 
she was a Canaanite who lived in ancient Jericho. Not only that, she was employed, self-employed. She was a prostitute. She had heard about the children of Israel and their one God. And Rahab knew in her heart of hearts, he was the answer. He was her way out. He was the true and living God. But that's all that she knew. Some spies from Israel came into Jericho. She knew who they were, and she showed kindness to them. And she asked them, I wish you would save me. I wish you would save my family. I I believe in your God, and I'm asking, would your God save me? And sure enough, when the walls came crashing down, her house was spared, and her family was saved. Do you know what Rahab was doing? She was breaking that cycle She was breaking that hoop. She was breaking those patterns. And she was starting a new hoop of blessing and favor and the power of God. I'm telling you, he knows how to get to the ones who are hungry. And if you'll let him, he can break those cycles. Here's what she was doing. She was breaking out. She was not staying in that hoop of weakness that had defined her, and she was starting a new hoop. You don't have to be trapped in cycles of sin. You don't have to be trapped in cycles of addiction and lack and sickness. But you may say to me, Donovan, my family's always struggled with alcohol. You don't understand. Or Donovan, my family's always been dirt poor. We've never seemed to get ahead. Or or Donovan, you don't understand. We have a history of divorce in my family. I'm telling you, you don't have to be defined by the weaknesses of your past or your family's past. Your book's not over. It doesn't have to end like this. There's another chapter to be written. Hear what I'm saying. The Holy Ghost has sent me to tell you there is hope. It's so cool. Rahab went on to marry Solomon. One of the Jewish spies. One of the spies. She ended up marrying this guy. And they had a son. And his name was Boaz. This is absolutely awesome. Here's what's so cool. There was no hint of her past in Boaz's future. She had broken that hoop. That old life. And she had started a new one. And oh my goodness, Boaz, this guy was special. She had replaced that hoop of iniquity with a hoop of mercy and blessing and favor and power and purity. Home, sweet home. Boaz grew up in a home that was different than the one that Rahab had known back in Jericho. Things were so much more, uh, so different And Boaz became a powerful and godly man, blessed, highly favored. He became a leader in his community, a successful businessman, a farmer, and he became very wealthy. Listen to this. Enter Ruth. Ruth was a Moabitess. Her roots were filled with idolatry and sexual sins. It's amazing if you read the story. It's all in the Bible. 
And she was a widow who had lost everything. But she heard about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And she turned to him. She told her mother-in-law, Naomi, your God will be my God. And your people will be my people. You know what she was doing? She was breaking that hoop and that cycle of her past. And she was starting to build a new hoop. She was starting to get a fresh perspective. I I serve a God who knows how to give you a fresh start. He has a reset button, I'm telling you. He knows how to reboot the system, to debug the programming, to defrag the hard drive. He knows how to give you a fresh start. When I was a kid, I remember the first video games coming along. I mean, I'm 51 years old, and I remember when Atari came out. I remember Sega. I I remember Mattel handheld football machines. I mean, it was just like little red dots on a painted football field on the screen. And, man, at Apollo Elementary, I'm just going to tell you something right now. That was the cat's meow. I could play that all day. Man, it was just incredible. I look at the graphics today, it looks like a movie. I'm like, you have no idea, kids. We played with little dots, you know, like little beeps and clicks and, you know, just just funny stuff. But, but prior to those video games, we had something else we played with. And it's amazing. It's lasted through the years. Check this out. I got a picture of it right here. We used to play with these things. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Etch-a-sketch. We went to eat in, in, in St. Louis with Alexander, went to a pancake house. And at the pancake house, they had etch-a-sketch, etch-a-sketches on every table. And we pulled the etch-a-sketch out, and I was like, you know, second childhood, you know, like, oh, senile dad over there. I was just, ah, ah, you know, just like eating it up, playing on the etch-a-sketch. I'm putting Jesus, people missing dots and life on You know what I'm saying? I got a little bit of an obsession with my church here. And, and I'm doing all this etch-a-sketch stuff, and I actually took pictures. I should have posted some of it. But I'm all on the etch-a-sketch. But here's what's amazing about etch-a-sketch. When you really get it all messed up and it's all just ugly and nasty, you realize I don't have any artistic skill, especially doing it this way. All you got to do is just turn it upside down, give it a good shaking, and it's a clean slate. And I'm going to tell you something. God knows how to take you and turn you upside down and give you a good shaking and give you a fresh, clean slate and a do-over. I serve a God. Who knows how to give you a second chance and a third chance. And you can break out of that cycle. And you can start a brand spanking new one. Can you give him praise right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now check this out. This this little lost Moabitess, Ruth. She ended up marrying the most eligible bachelor in town. He was very blessed, highly favored. He was a businessman who was very successful. He was a farmer who had become quite wealthy, and his name was Boaz, the son of Rahab. 
and watch what happened in the hoop. Did I say something wrong? Thank you so very much. I see brother blaming brother back here, and I'm just relieved I didn't say anything. You know, like, thank you, Jesus, because that's usually the problem. <laughs> so check this out. So Boaz, the son of Rahab, she marries. And I want to move quickly through this lineage. But the hoop, I'm talking about the new hoop, the new hoop. Check this out. Boaz and Ruth had a son. His name was Obed. That's a name if any get, you, people are concerned with your babies coming along. Here's your name, Obed. Obed. There's your name. Obed had a son, and his name was Jesse. And Jesse had a son, and his name was David, King David. Now, now check this out. David had a son, and his name was Solomon. Now, although the hoop of iniquity and weakness had been broken, the descendants that are born in the hoop of blessing, they still have free will. They can still do what they want to do. They can make their own choices. And we have in David's lineage a son. His name is Solomon, and David's son Solomon, the word commanded that the king which Solomon would become should not multiply unto himself many wives. Well, Solomon had a better idea, and so he accumulated 700 wives. You know, one wasn't enough, two wasn't enough. Three, nah, 17, 217, 429, 699. Let's just top it off with 700. Seven, Scripture said, and the king will not multiply unto himself many wives. When the end of the day came, he had 700 wives, and if that wasn't enough, he had 300 concubines. Holy cow. Now, most of that was about treaties and alliances he was making. But about 20 years after David died, God told King Solomon, I'm going to take most of the kingdom from you. You have blown it big time. But then he added and said, he said, but here's the deal, and this is what happens when you're in the hoop of blessing. Somebody needs to thank God for their heritage today. Because he says in 1 Kings eleven twelve, but Solomon, I'm not going to do it in your days for the sake of your father, David. You were born in a hoop of blessing, son, and you deserve a heap of trouble, but I'm going to give you some more blessing because you come from that hoop of blessing. Then... Almost 80 years after David had died, David's great-great-grandson, Abijah, had turned into a monster. But God did not rip the kingdom from him either. And he says it's because, quote, David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded 
Abijah was in that hoop of blessing and had a legacy to blame for his blessings. Then, listen to this, over 300 years later, David's been dead and gone for 300 years. Jerusalem surrounded by a huge army. And Hezekiah humbles himself and prays and asks God for help. And the Lord answers and says, I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. 300 years after David, his descendants were still in the hoop of blessing. David is mentioned over 1,100 times in your Bible, more than Moses, more than anybody else. The reason why? Because a little prostitute named Rahab broke out of her old loop and started a new one. Because a little widow woman, Ruth, with a sketchy past, broke out of her old loop and decided, I'm going to start a new one. David was not perfect, but he had a bent. Talk about iniquity. He had a bent that was after God. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And the mercy and goodness and favor and blessing of God flowed into his home. And it was a home, sweet home. Telling you. David said this in Psalm 145. Listen, I will extol you, O God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and His goodness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another generation and shall declare your mighty acts. He goes on in verse 8, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and His tender mercies are over all of His works. I'm telling you, you can break out of that old loop of cursing and you can break into a loop of blessing. Do you hear what I'm saying? It doesn't have to end this way. You don't have to end up like some of those family members. It can be so different for you. Amen. Listen to this. Tony Perkins from right here in Baton Rouge spoke at Alexander's graduation. He serves on Family Research Council. Gene Mills is affiliated with that organization, runs Louisiana Family Forum. He's a friend of ours. He spoke at our 10-year anniversary here at Life Point. Their organizations grew out of a, an organization called Focus on the Family. Has anybody ever heard of that, Focus on the Family? One of the most powerful ministries in North America and around the world, really, that was ever launched in the name of the family. They've dealt with family issues, led the charge for many, many years. And, and James Dobson is the man who started Focus on the Family. James was born in Shreveport, Louisiana, of all places. And James... Uh, has an interesting story. His father was a Nazarene evangelist, an itinerant preacher, traveled around the country preaching, traveled around the world. And by the time James entered into his teens, his father was so successful that he was booked for three years in advance. And because of this, he was gone most of the time. And when James Dobson was about 15 years old, 
he became rebellious, started fighting against his mother. And his mom called her husband and said that unless something changes, I think we may lose our son. You need to spend some time with James. James' father called all of the pastors he had scheduled in his meetings for the years to come and canceled them all. He took a pastorate of a small rural church so he could devote his time to his wife and his children. James said some of, some of his happiest memories are of times he spent with his father just hanging out, hunting and fishing. In due course, James became a psychologist, eventually developed a worldwide Christian ministry. Long before he ever achieved this worldwide success himself, James, his father died. And it was a terrible blow to James Dobson. After many years had passed, James' aunt, his father's older sister, came to a family reunion and told James she, she had something she wanted to share with him privately. She said, James, just before your father died, he went on a three-day fast. And the Lord spoke to him. He told me about it. God told him that since he had been faithful to lay his life down and his ambitions down for the sake of his son, that God was going to use you in a worldwide ministry that would touch millions of people. James said, you see, my ministry and my success has not had anything to do with me. It is the fruit of my father's faithfulness and prayers. I just want you to know, you can create a different loop, a different hoop, a different home. You can make things different for the generations that come after you. I'm sorry for things that took place in your life, but it can be different from here on out. Would you stand with me right now? What I am telling you, I'm telling you it doesn't matter what your past looks like, what your parents' or grandparents' past may look like. It doesn't matter what sins and trespasses and transgressions and iniquities may be in your genetics, in your nature, in your nurturing, those familiar spirits, those spirits that haunt you. The strong man can be overcome. And you can pass on a blessing to future generations that changes their destiny. They don't have to make the same mistakes. They don't have to be bound by the same addictions. They don't have to struggle with the same things. Those familiar spirits that tormented your families for generations can be forever bound and overcome. You can break out of that old hoop and start Another one. The Holy Spirit has sent me today to tell you, hey, Rahab, hey, Ruth, you can get a clean slate, a do-over, a reset, a good life, the Scripture said, is passed on. You can have a home, sweet home. Let me ask you right now, does that sound good to you? Do you like a do-over, a fresh start? I just want to tell you, I want to encourage you. I know there's been a lot of misconceptions about our God. Much of it has come from church and church people. And there's been church people that have struggled and hurt. I mean, we all have a story. 
But let me just clear something up right now. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Wrap your life around that truth. Wrap your life around that fact. Start there. Don't start with, why did this happen? And I don't understand this. And where am I going with this? And this is, I I don't. Start with, the Lord is good. And His mercy is everlasting. And I'm going to give you my life, Lord Jesus. I'm going to lay my life down for you. Because the answers will follow that. Trust me. Ask Rahab. Ask Ruth. They had lost and suffered so much. But God gave them a fresh start. They just turned to Him. They gave everything they had to Him. And God blessed them for generations and generations. David fell with Bathsheba. David was not perfect. But on the inside, there was a a bent. God is good. Oh, forgive me, I've sinned against you. And you only have I sinned. Take not your Holy Spirit from me, God. It was this bent. It came generationally. Rahab, Ruth, looking through the portals of time. That's one of ours. He's got a heart up to God. He's not going to let the past stop him. He's going to move forward into his future. Listen, don't let the past stop you. Move forward into your future. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Father, I thank you for your wonderfulness, your goodness, Lord, your strength, your mercy, your kindness. What an awesome God you are. I thank you, God. You've been so faithful. You've been so good. We're asking for a clean slate and a do-over, a reset in the name of Jesus.